0: Next on ReachMD, Voices from American Medicine, featuring perspectives, challenges, and triumphs from medical professionals on the front lines of healthcare. Now here's the host of Voices from American Medicine, Frank Russomano.
1: One cannot understand policy without appreciating the philosophy that is driving it. That's a passage taken from the new book titled Overcoming Obamacare, written by Philip Klein. Philip is our guest today, and he's a commentary editor of the Washington Examiner, where he writes about domestic politics and policy and runs the opinion section. Mr. Klein, welcome to the program today. Thank you for having me. I'd like to start by having you tell us a little bit about your background. Well,
0: basically, I've been a journalist for a number of years, and uh, particularly over the last 10 years, I've been focusing on politics and my interest is ultimately lies with policy because i think that uh politics are a route to policy and one of the most important policies in my view is healthcare it's it's uh, the largest segment of our economy uh it's the it's the largest component of our national budget and in the long term it's it has the biggest effect on our fiscal future and uh, not to mention, it's it's the most personal in that everyone wants to have the best care for themselves and their loved ones.
1: That's great. So you were inspired to write this book. What inspired you to write it?
0: Well, with Overcoming Obamacare, what uh, I tried to do was lay out some of the alternatives among Republicans on health care. Uh, it, it's pretty popular. It's pretty common to believe that. Republicans and conservatives have no ideas on health care, that they just want to attack Obamacare, that they don't have any sense of what they'd want to do themselves. And that's not quite accurate. Uh, The reality is that there are a lot of ideas on the right among conservative policy analysts as well as elected Republicans about what to do about health care. The problem is that they haven't agreed on a single one uh, due to a number of uh, fundamental differences and so what i tried to do with this book is to try to organize a lot of the plans that have been released on the right and divide the thinking on the right in the post-obamacare world into three basic approaches or schools of thought and my point was to try to uh, get this frame this debate At a time when Republicans are taking over the Senate, uh, the 2016 presidential race is starting to heat up, and we have a major Supreme Court case that has huge implications for uh, the future of Obamacare.
1: That's interesting. And so in your book, you talk about government takeover. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Sure. I mean, obviously, this is a controversial term liberals say that Obamacare isn't a government takeover and bristle at any suggestion that it is. If I were to be fair, I'd say they have a point, but only up to a point. That is that Obamacare didn't instantly transform America into Britain, a fully socialized system in which government government in control of most people's health care. Right now, under Obamacare, uh, it expanded Medicaid, which is a fully government-run program. It provides subsidies for individuals to purchase uh, government-designed insurance on government-run exchanges, and it also mandates that individuals purchase insurance that meets certain requirements that are specified by the government. And it also includes this medical loss ratio, which forces uh, insurers to pay out a certain percentage of the money that they charge in premiums to medical claims. So essentially it's a cap on the the profits and administrative expenses of insurers. And that effectively turns insurers into operating as a government utility. Their profits are effectively capped by government, and effectively, they can only offer products that meet government specifications. And I would just say that the Obamacare, as passed, represented a compromise. Uh, President Obama himself has said uh, if he were starting from scratch, he'd want to have a single payer health care system. Uh, many Democrats preferred that system. They tried and failed to have a government-run plan or public option to be offered on these exchanges along with private plans the hope being that over time that would migrate the system into a single-payer system and so clearly that's the long-term goal but democrats knew that they couldn't get there immediately so they decided to settle for a field goal for now uh... and live to fight another day and That's why I believe that if Republicans don't do something to offer an alternative, that ultimately when Democrats get another opening, they're going to build on Obamacare and we're going to move further towards that eventual full government takeover.
1: Right. So so there are some that might argue that government takeover isn't bad and that limiting the profits of insurance companies is not a bad thing. What, What would you say to that?
0: Well, I'd say a few things. One thing is that Obamacare, although it caps the percentage margin of profit that insurers are going to have, it doesn't go after the insurance companies. It's actually a boon to insurance companies, because what it does is it says, we're going to require you to purchase insurance, and then we're going to subsidize people to purchase insurance. Now, what business in the world wouldn't want a system under which government basically requires people to buy your product and then gives them money to help them buy your product. Um, everyone would want that deal. What I'm saying is that what Obamacare represents is this ugly uh, alliance between big business and big government. And the reason why we wouldn't want a system is where there's centralized control, is that ultimately there's two dominant schools of thought on how you control costs. One is you have the government ration care to the sick, which is what we see in socialized systems, such as the NHS in England, uh, where there are government boards that say, for instance, we don't think that it's worth allowing this cancer patient to get uh, this certain treatment beyond this certain amount of time because it's too costly and that same amount of money could be spent somewhere else in the system there are all sorts of horror stories about government pulling the plug on individuals without even notifying the family issues where uh... in england people have been stuck in waiting rooms and in hallways of emergency rooms for days being forced to drink dirty water from vases and this is supposed to be touted as a sort of humane system. But the the idea behind trying to control costs in a single-payer system is you ration the care to the sick and the government determines how you're going to uh, get your care. And the reason why this will never work in America is that Americans are individualists and they don't care about what works best for the average patient. Everyone in America wants to be treated as an individual and what works best for them as an individual patient. And the way that you get there, and the alternative, is to have a system in which individuals are in charge of their own health care, a system in which there's more transparency about how much things cost, Uh, a system in which individuals have control over their health care dollars, which gives them an incentive to shop around for the best deal. There was a a study that came out a few months ago that found that when uh, individuals were given uh, a tool, an online searchable tool, to look at uh, the differences between different medical procedures and treatments, that they actually did shop around and on Procedures such as CAT scans or MRIs, they actually spent ended up spending less than people who weren't given to that tool. Um, I think that if you look at the um, the iPhone that I carry around in my pocket, it's a it's a camcorder, it's a flashlight, it's a tape recorder, uh, it's a CD player, uh, any number of things that years ago would have cost me thousands and thousands of dollars and count, you know, taking up all this space with all these gadgets I have in my pocket for a fraction of the cost. That's because we have a system in the consumer economy that makes people want to chase the best deal and quality improves over time as prices go down. And that's what Americans are used to. And we can have that for health care if we get government out and try to move to a more market-based system.
1: It seems to make a lot of sense, Philip, there is a perception that, that Republicans um, generally aren't interested in expanding access to care. Um, in your book, you talk about three basic approaches and alternatives to the current law. Can, can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Basically, Republicans do have a debate over what the appropriate level of government involvement is to try to expand health insurance. And One area where I just draw a distinction, you talked about health care access. And conservatives and supporters of limited government would draw a distinction between health insurance and access to health care. So, for instance, what we've seen with Obamacare is that it places so many restrictions over insurance policies that's insurers have responded by narrowing their networks and going to doctors and saying, we're going to reduce the amount of money that we're paying you. And a lot of doctors are dropping out of these insurance arrangements, and it's the same thing with hospitals. In California, there are a number of lawsuits against insurers because of these narrow network plans. And that's what you see. Um, so, it, you know, somebody could have, a ticket that says they have insurance, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they have access to the health care that they want.
1: This is reducing access to the current health care profession. So I think during the the campaign in 2008, our president talked a lot about being able to keep our doctor. Is that the impact that you're seeing You know, from the reduced size in the network?
0: Yes. I mean, it's pretty clear if you look at the plan. What happens is that Obamacare includes a lot of mandates, not just the the famous individual mandate and requirement that uh, insurers cover pre-existing conditions, that they don't charge more based on health status, and it, it limits what they can charge based on age and so forth. All of these things drive up the cost of insurance. So in order to mitigate the premium hikes that are natural economic responses to these mandates, insurers respond by saying, okay, we'll cover this stuff. You know, we where We have to meet certain requirements in terms of out-of-pocket expenses and so forth. We can only get away with premium increases to a certain degree. So our workaround is that we're going to offer less access to, to individuals. We're going to narrow the network to just the doctors and hospitals that are willing to accept our Cheaper payment rates and compensation rates, and you, you see that throughout the states uh, uh, in these plans. And um, like I said, in California, there's been a lot of lawsuits on on this this front. Um, and I know I got we got kind of sidetracked from your question about the three different approaches uh, that I mention in my book, Overcoming Obamacare. So if I can just get back to that. I'd say that basically Republicans kind of looking at the landscape of Obamacare. They break into these groups. One is what I call the reform school. And these are basically people who say, "Look, Obamacare has been in the books for several years now. Uh it now has millions of beneficiaries. Republicans aren't going to be able to disrupt all of this and simply just repeal Obamacare." So they argue that Republicans should instead uh, make it essentially reform Obamacare to take away some of its more onerous aspects and to make it function in a more free market direction without fully repealing it. The second school of thought, which I call the replace school, and you hear this a lot among Republicans, repeal and replace Obamacare. This is a school that thinks that repeal is not only politically p- possible but it, that it's a policy necessity to be able to get a functional health care system uh but that it's only going to be possible to repeal it if there's a replacement that does offer uh broad access to some sort of health insurance subsidies uh for individuals to purchase insurance so that Essentially, it wants to account for people who are beneficiaries from Obamacare, uh, and still have some sort, preserve some sort of safety net for those with pre-existing conditions and low-income people who you can't afford insurance. Um, and then the third school of thought is I call the restart school. And these are people who are more free market and limited government purists. Who don't believe that government's role should be to expand insurance, but instead they believe that government should be focused on trying to bring down costs and giving individuals more control over their ability to, to spend their own health care dollars. And they think that Obamacare needs to be completely wiped out and that Republicans need to pass a free market plan based on this clean slate. And so that's where the debate is playing out on the right.
1: If you're just joining us, you're listening to Voices from American Medicine. I'm Frank Russomano, and I'm joined by Philip Klein, author of Overcoming Obamacare, Three Approaches to Reversing the Government Takeover of Healthcare. So from a political perspective, is there a perception that one approach or the other can be most successful in a political platform?
0: Well, right now there's uh, basically that 's one of the debates. Um, as I note in my book, basically everyone 's sort of making a calculus that calculus takes into account is trying to balance out the what 's the best policy and what 's politically possible, and some people might be willing to support certain policies based on the political possibilities, whereas other people might place more an emphasis on the policy, and so there is certainly one of the debates is can Republicans truly repeal Obamacare? There's obviously one school of thought which is no. It's not only entrenched in terms of the beneficiaries, but the uh, the whole industry, the healthcare sector, has spent years now. Uh, Building and organizing itself around the health care law. So, to uproot that and then impose a new system on them might be very disruptive to a lot of these industries and not just to the individuals who might have their insurance disrupted. And they look at how historically Republicans for all they rage against big government haven't been able to do anything to really touch social security medicare medicaid which are deeply entrenched uh... but the counter argument to that is to say look obamacare has been on the books for years and it's as unpopular as ever i mean a recent poll found that just thirty percent seven percent of people uh, had a favorable view of the law so this isn't medicare or social security which passed with overwhelming bipartisan support and are favored by the overwhelming majority of Americans and that have been on the books uh for 50 or 60 years now, right? It's a matter of these are policies that are unpopular and it's still only been on the books for a few years. So there are some people that say look, full repeal should not be written off that this is that there's still an opening for full repeal.
1: Philip, you know, um, as I think about the debate, we are paying appropriate attention to the patients in this equation, but doctors and nurse practitioners and all the healthcare professionals have a big role in the way we deliver care in America. Have you heard from them? What's their opinion about Obamacare and, and the various approaches to uh, to reform?
0: Well, I think that there are a lot of big complaints from uh, doctors. And from the medical community, I mean some are obviously happier than others, and there are a lot of winners and losers with Obamacare. but I think that one of the big problems for doctors is that uh these the payment rates are so low because you have not only like I talked about earlier these access issues that of be caused by insurers now having to pay lower and put more pressure and put more of a squeeze on doctors, but that you also have um, Medicaid expanding. And Medicaid pays the lowest to doctors out of anything. It pays even below Medicare rates. And so what you're seeing is that a lot of doctors are no longer accepting Medicaid. And if you look at a lot of surveys of doctors, there's a lot of indication that doctors are thinking of retiring earlier and more people are deciding not to go into uh medicine and so also uh I've heard a lot of complaints uh, in terms of a lot of the health IT requirements I mean part of this uh, dated back to the economic stimulus bill but uh, there is this perception that somehow this huge savior um, this easy fix is adopt electronic medical records, and and here in Washington, basically everyone talks about wanting to reduce healthcare costs, but nobody wants to do that by c- cutting people's benefits. So they often look for these sort of easy fixes, like talking up preventative care or talking up about electronic medical records. But in practice, they don't actually produce the savings that are touted. And I think that a lot of doctors' offices are frustrated by all of the mandates on them having to uh, purchase expensive electronic medical record equipment, and it doesn't really improve care, even though anecdotally it sounds like, well, we're going to create all this efficiency by moving everything to computers. Uh, in reality, that hasn't uh, shown to be the case. And so I think that nothing was done in Obamacare to address the issue of medical malpractice, which is a big issue for doctors. Um, I mean, survey after survey shows that doctors routinely order services because of defensive medicine. Essentially, they want to mitigate their potential liability in uh, a lawsuit by saying that they took all these steps and ordered all of these tests, and that drives up health care costs. And Obamacare didn't do anything to address those concerns. So I think that's also one of the reasons why, uh, because Obamacare changes that it makes to hospital payment rates through Medicare, is also expediting this process of hospital consolidation. Um, And you're also seeing more private practices closing and more doctors moving into associations with hospitals and you know letting the hospitals deal with the sort of overhead and bureaucratic stuff and so that that's the sort of dynamic that you're seeing and i think it particularly hurts rural hospitals because basically uh obama wants to say well you know the mayo clinic and the cleveland clinic are able to uh, produce great quality care at a low cost. So why can't we do that everywhere? Well, there might be things that are unique to the Cleveland Clinic and the Mayo Clinic. And there might be situations in which a smaller rural hospital won't be able to achieve the kinds of economies of scale as a larger hospital. And so it'll suffer greatly as a result of these laws. So you might see more rural hospitals shutting down, and then people in these areas having to travel longer distances uh, to get uh, care. And so I think that there's a broad number of changes that aren't the greatest for uh, medical professionals.
1: Well, there's no question that we've got to make sure we include their opinion in the the debate. And over the next uh, couple of years, we're going to see lots of debate uh, as uh, the presidential nominees come forward and start to talk about health care reform. It's early yet, but do you see any of the projected presidential nominees leading the uh, the argument on health care reform?
0: Well, in my book, Overcoming Obamacare, I talk about Bobby Jindal, who's Bobby Jindal someone who has a big Background in healthcare, he uh, worked for the HHS under Bush when he was still in his 20s. He was in charge of Louisiana's large hospital system, and he's somewhat of a of a healthcare wonk himself. And he put out a plan last year that is a plan that feeds into the school of thought that I talked about, that I call the restart school, which he really believes that. Republicans should approach the issue without trying to sort of compete with Democrats on meeting some coverage target but instead focus on market-based reforms that uh put more money in the hands of of individuals and give more flexibility to states uh to try to bring down costs and it would be interesting to see if his plan and his candidacy gains traction. If it it gains traction, then it might tilt the uh, general, uh, the center of gravity toward that kind of approach uh, among other Republican candidates, because they may feel like they can't get sort of outflanked by Bobby Jindal, and they have to release uh, plans along similar lines. And then that could then become where Republican health policy coalesces uh, a lot of the other candidates haven't got as detailed uh, we know Mitt Romney produced a, a plan in Massachusetts when he was governor that uh, was ended up serving as the model for obamacare in that it expanded medicaid mandated insurance and subsidized the purchase of insurance on exchanges uh, he's since backed away from that, uh, and he released a, a kind of vague plan on in 2012 that he didn't really talk much about during the campaign. But I think that there are more candidates this year, and I think there'll be a, a, a broader debate on health care alternatives.
1: Right. Well, thank you for that. I think that's uh, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds and and hear the debate. And I'd love to invite you back as the debate goes on and get your points of view on uh, the policy proposals that come forth over the next couple of years.
0: Would love to do that. Thank you for having me.
1: Philip, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts. I found the book very interesting and recommend it for uh, individuals on both sides of the argument. You've been
0: listening to Voices from American Medicine, featuring perspectives, challenges, and triumphs from medical professionals on the front lines of healthcare. Voices from American Medicine is hosted by Frank Russomano. And to access this program and others in the series, please visit us at reachmd.com forward slash voices.